now, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. There we go, people. Welcome to tonight's episode of Bible News Radio. I am your sweet, lovable host. Yeah, I am. Debatable to some, though. <laughs> so we're going to play Avalon song, Testify Love, to kind of get this into the system. And we're going to share with you a brand new song from, Test- from uh, Avalon, first released in a decade. This is one of my favorite songs of all time, and Bareface and me. We're going to sing it. Yeah, so if you know it, just enjoy it. Share the show, people. It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday night, people. Yeah, it is. It's been a long day. And there he is, over there, I mean. <laughs> to your left. To my left, yeah. Every star in every sky. Every corner of creation lives to testify. And you know what? We're going to talk about testifying tonight. Yeah, we are. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. I'll be a witness in the silences when words are not enough. With every breath I take, I will give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. Yeah, we will. Let's turn your mic up. From the rivers to the sea. Rivers to the sea. There you go. There it is. Every hand that reaches down. Every hand that reaches out to offer peace. Yeah, we will. Give peace a chance, people. <laughs> Every step to the kingdom come. All the hope in every heart will. Speak what love has done. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. I'll be a witness in the silences when words are not enough. With every breath I take, I will give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify to love. Right. Bareface wants me on here all by myself. All of our creatures And a court of law. Right? Hi, Sean. Hey, everybody. Okay, here we go. For as long as I shall live, I'll testify to the silence of my love. Every breath I take will give thanks to God above. First long as I shall live, I'll testify Words 
With every breath I take, I will give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify in love. I'll be a witness in the silence of the words are not enough. With every breath I take, we'll give thanks to God above. For as long as I shall live, I will testify in love. All right. I'm going to cut into the new hit song, right? All right, 10 years has passed, people. This is a brand new Avalon song. Test five, picture the choir up there in their boats. Yeah. I'll listen to a couple of seconds of this. So is God the keeper of your heart, people? <laughs> is he? people is he <laughs> how'd that happen <laughs> I got um... all right we'll just stop that then <laughs> I don't know what happened anyway that's from mixer oh it's mixer yeah okay well anyway hello people so um so I want to start today's show off because it's Friday and I want to share with you guys that this is uh, Avalon, I don't know how many of you love Avalon as much as me, but I love Avalon. Um, their song Testify Love literally carried me through many of a trial in my life. And, um, you know, the lyrics to that song are so deep. And I remember one year when I was covering the National Religious Broadcasters Convention and I had an opportunity to see Avalon uh, sing live because they were some of the entertainment and I remember sitting there I was like sitting there in the audience and they did testify love and I was like oh my gosh it was the most probably anointed powerful song I'd ever heard in person sung by any Christian artist um, it touched me deeply so a couple days ago August 21st in fact uh, when I got this press release um, announcing that Avalon has just released a brand new song called Keeper of My Heart, which, by the way, you can listen to on YouTube. Um, it says here, Lauded Vocal Group is back after 10 years of the first single from forthcoming Red Street Records project. Uh, and... <clears throat> I'm going to read you a little bit about it. It says here, after a 10-year record, re recording hiatus, Avalon is back. The talented vocal group has released the song Keeper of My Heart to radio, and the track is already inspiring listeners with its encouraging lyrics. This is the first release from the group's forthcoming project called their first on Red Street Records, a new venture started by Rascal Flatts member J.D. Marcus. Um, the song is resonating with music fans and critics alike. Check out what's being called or being said about Avalon and the impact of Keeper of My Heart. So then it gives a, you know, a number of people who, who, um, who are DJs. <laughs> 
in Christian radio, which I have no, you know, I have no idea who they are. But anyway, um, but then it says here about Avalon, I will go ahead and read here just so you can hear some of this. Red Street Records artist Avalon has been inspiring lives around the globe for years. When you hear the name Avalon, you may think of one or more of their number one hits like Adonai, which I love that song too. Can't Live a Day, which I love that song. Or testify to love, just to name a few. How, however, there is much more to this dynamic vocal foursome than meets the eye. The collective desire of every member is to deliver a message of hope and ultimate love, freely offered from Jesus Christ, to a, and to blatantly declare their devotion to Him through the words of every song they sing. This three-time Grammy-nominated American Music Award and Dove Award-winning Christian artist is composed of Greg, Jana Long, Jody McBriar, and Danny Rocca. Roca, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> so check it out, guys. Check out, uh, go to YouTube, look up Keeper of My Heart, Avalon, and that is their brand new song, and I think it's definitely worthy of, um, of airplay, you know? Avalon rocks, right, Bareface? Yep. Yeah, it does. Okay, so... I always had problems with uh, just the grammar of Adonai, but that's, that's not weird. the word, just the, the song. Oh. Because the, the refrain was my Adonai. Yeah? Yeah. Are you going to give us a Hebrew lesson? No, I'm just going to leave it right there. Drop it. Hey, Jeff over there on YouTube, and um, you guys, Mia, superhero paramedic, and um, Sean, and Pat Benatar, who just came in out of curiosity. <laughs> That's funny. Hit us with your best shot. <laughs> Ram, Ramness, nice to see you there. Uh, Spaceman, yeah, whoever, whoever else is out there watching wherever you're at. Hello, people. So, how has your week been? Has it been as fun as mine has? Probably. Probably not, actually. <laughs> uh, so, what we're going to do today is we're, we're actually going to go ahead and we're going to uh, talk about some news tonight. We're only going to cover a couple of things and we're really going to try to keep the show close to an hour, just so you know. Um, and uh, so the first thing I wanted to do is I wanted to uh, share with you this story about some atheists. Um, no, that's not right. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think I should do the atheist story first or do you think I should do um, the, the lead will, story? Um, I wasn't prepared to do... The Pennsylvania story? No. But we can get to that. Why don't we do the lead story and then... Uh... Okay, I need to find it again because I apparently accidentally shut the page. Okay, so let me pull this up here. Um, I pulled like, I don't know, eight or nine stories for Bareface. And we're only going to do a couple because we're going to run out of time otherwise. So let me find this story. <laughs> here it is right here. All right, what are the most dangerous countries to be a Christian? Mm-hmm. While some Christian broadcasters like to tell you to live your best life now and to think happy, positive thoughts constantly, 
they they seriously lack in trying to educate you about persecution of Christians um, because they don't want to they don't want to look at the reality of what actual Christians go through, real Christians, not just the fluffy fly by night of fluffy Christians out there. Um, so this is on the Acton Institute, and actually this is written by Joe Carter, who actually is uh, actually is huh? he actually is yeah. He, uh, he's a guy that used to work for the Family Research Council. He's been in the military. He's very, you know, high esteemed as far as uh, writer and stuff goes. And thank you for sharing it, Mia. I appreciate it. Um, but anyway, so here's the article. It's titled The Most, Christ- the Most Dangerous Countries to Be a Christian. And this was written uh, a couple days ago. So it says here, today is the first observance of the International Day of Commemorating the Victims of Axed acts of violence based on religion or belief. The observance as Alliance Defending Freedom notes is considered by human rights experts to be an important step towards the prevention of religious persecution in the future. In May, the UN General uh, General Assembly adopted the resolution A, resolution 73-296 to add this observance to a strong and to strongly condemn continuing violence and acts of terrorism targeting individuals, including persons belonging to religious minorities on the basis of or in the name of religion or belief. On this day, we reaffirm our unwavering support for the victims of violence based on religion and belief, said UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres. I guess. And we demonstrate that support by doing all in our power to prevent such uh, attacks and demanding that those responsible are held accountable. In 2019, the most persecuted religious faith in the world is Christianity. One in every nine Christians in the world in an area or in a culture in which Christianity is illegal, forbidden, or punished, according to the latest report on global persecution by Open Doors USA, that's a 14% increase over the previous year. 14% is a lot, you guys. I mean, just think about that for a second. During the World Watch List 2019 reporting period in the top 50 countries, a total of 1,266 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. 2,635 Christians were detained without trial arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned, and 4,136 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. On average, that's 11 Christians killed every day for their faith. Let that hit you just for a minute. I'm going to read that again because I really want you to hit, I think about it because, you know, here in America, we take our religious freedom like completely for granted. So I'll just say it again. During the World Watch List 2019 reporting period in the top 50 countries, a total of 1,266 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. 2,635 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. And 4,136 Christians were killed for faith related reasons on average that's 11 christians killed every day for their faith and how many of them did you hear about in the news Hmm? countries are ranked by the severity of persecution of christians uh, calculated by analyzing the level of violent persecution plus the pressure experienced in five spheres of life church national 
community, family, and private. Based on the report's research, the top 10 nations where Christians found it most dangerous and difficult to practice their faith are, number one, North Korea, which we all know, if you know anything about me and the show, we've mentioned this numerous times. Interestingly, President Trump has gone there. Uh, and it's interesting. So persecution type, communist and post-communist oppression, estimated number of Christians in North Korea. And if you think about this, this is astounding. 300,000 Christians in a communist dominated country. Tell me that God can't get in there where the communists are. Okay, just saying. How Christians are suffering in North Korea. The primary driver of persecution in North Korea is the state. For three generations, everything in that country has focused on idolizing the Kim family. Literally. I know. Christians are seen as hostiles, 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 to be er eradicated. There was hope that new diplomatic efforts in 2018, including the 2018 Winter Olympics, would mean a lessening of pressure and violence against Christians. But so far, that has not been the case. Kim Jong-un has maintained tight control over the populace and dissent or worshiping anything else is not tolerated. So, North Korea, number one place. Number two, Afghanistan. The persecution there, Islamic oppression. Estimated number of Christians, thousands. They don't have actual number there. How Christians are suffering. Afghanistan is an Islamic state by constitution, which means government officials, ethnic group leaders, religious officials, and citizens are hostile toward adherents of any other religion. This means any expression of any faith other than Islam is simply not permitted to exist. Additionally, to convert to a faith outside Islam is tantamount to treason because it's seen as a betrayal of family, tribe, and country. You know, in this nation, we hear about the separation clause and separation of church and state, you know, ad nauseum. But here's where we actually have a, a marriage between church and state. They are synonymous that is Afghanistan, Afghanistan is an Islamic state by its constitution. That it is a, it is a religious entity, the government. And um, where's all the outcry about church and state? What really is church and state? Right. Anyway. My computer has frozen for the moment. So bareface, you'll have to like scroll up so I can read the screen over there. <laughs> oh, wait. My computer came back to life. Yeah, it did. Okay. Number three yeah. is, is Somalia. Persecution type, Islamic again. Just so you know, estimated number of Christians in Somalia, only a few hundred. Uh, how Christians are suffering. Oops, oops, wait a minute, get back there. Estimates suggest that 99% of Somalias are Muslims and any minority religions are heavily persecuted. The Christian community is small and under constant threat of attack. Sharia law and Islam are enshrined in the country's constitution there and the persecution go. of Christians Almost always involves violence. Additionally, in many rural areas, Islamic militant groups like Al-Shabib, or however you say that, are, are de facto rulers. Mm -hmm. All right, number four. See a trend here? Libya. Islamic persecution type oppression. And an estimated number of Christians, a few hundred, or actually, no, 37,900. Christians are suffering after the ouster of former dictator Muammar Gaddafi. Libya pl 
plunged into chaos and anarchy, which has enabled various Islamic militant groups to control parts of the country. Converts to Christianity face abuse and violence for their decision to follow Christ. Libya is also home to many migrant workers who have been attacked, sexually assaulted, and detained, which can be even worse if it's discovered they are Christians. So there is that. Number five. So far, the last four here are all Islamic uh, oppression. Estimated number of Christians in Pakistan is 3,981,000. Now, this is amazing because I have actually met Pakistani Christians here in America that have actually fled and got here to America. Uh, Pakistan has has a lot of believers in it. Um, and it's uh, under Pakistan's notorious blasphemy laws, Christians continue to live in daily fear. They will be accused of blasphemy, which will carry a penalty of death. Additionally, radical... Um, Islamists seem to be gaining more political power, and the new ruling government must maintain good diplomatic relationships with some radical groups. Christians are largely regarded as second-class citizens, and conversion to Christianity from Islam carries a great deal of risk. And I dare say, in America, that is one of the pervading goals of Islam, is to make us a a second-class citizen as well. All right, sixth place is Sudan. Again, Islamic oppression. There's approximately close to 2 million Christians there, 1,910,000. How Christians are suffering? Sudan has been ruled by the authoritarian government of President al-Bashir since 1989. The country has been ruled as an Islamic state with limited rights for religious minorities and heavy restrictions on freedom of speech and press. Christians face discrimination and pressure. Multiple church buildings were demolished in 2017 and 2018, uh, leaving some Christians without a place to worship. Christian converts from Islam are especially targeted for persecution. There. All right. Now, the next state, is number seven, is Eritrea. Um, and this is interesting because the persecution type, it says here, is dictatorial paranoia. Interesting way to put it. But I would also say Eritrea is heavily Muslim dominated as well. And when I was writing for the Voice of the Martyrs persecution blog, Eritrea was always up there in the top 10. And as a believer in Eritrea, um, you know, it's un- it's unfortunate. But it says here that there's about 2,474,000, so about 2.5 million believers in Eritrea. Which again, if you think about it, you guys, it is amazing you can't tell me that God can't go anywhere, even where people don't want him, because all these people got saved somehow. Uh, Christians are suffering there since 1993. President Afwerki uh, has overseen a brutal authorita- authoritarian regime that rests on massive human rights violations. 2018, there are raids on churches, and hundreds of Christians were imprisoned in inhumane conditions. Additionally, there are estimates that other Christians are currently in Eritrea's vast prison network, but no one knows how many there are or if they're still alive. Which, by the way, that reminds me, uh, Voice of the Martyrs has a program called Prisoners. um, They have Bibles Unbound, but they have a um, Prisoner Alert. Prisoner Alert, yeah. And if you go to their website, I don't even know if it's still up because I don't write for them anymore. But um, at one point, they did have Prisoner Alert where you can actually write letters uh, to these prisoners in Eritrea and other countries like this. And what would happen would be 
that the letters would go and they would get sent directly to wherever the um uh, wherever the headquarters were that the religious people over there get and often when letters were written on behalf of the persecuted believer um, those believers would never actually get the letters but what would happen is that the officials the public officials would sometimes go in and they would talk to the guards and they would tell the guards hey you know what treat this person so and so better because they got all these relatives that are writing letters on their behalf trying to get them out of jail and you know apparently there's like hundreds of them and and the letter campaigns would work they would work in many cases in fact we've seen a lot of that happen um you know in, in previous years uh where letter campaigns have been written and pe people get out um but um but yeah you never know how it worked and you know sometimes it, i mean it literally takes seconds to write one of these letters bom actually help people with the pre-written letter you just put your name on it and 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 they would specifically put specific uh phrases that you could add yourself but they would make it very very uh specific so that nothing hostile comes through uh which would create more problems for the persecuted believer in the in the the prison system there all right yemen is uh islamic oppression as well and there's a few thousand people there christians that have been under heavy persecution and it says here an ongoing civil war in yemen has created one of the most humanitarian crises in recent history or memory making an already difficult nation for christians even harder the chaos of war has enabled radical groups to take control over some regions of yemen and they've increased persecution against christians even private worship is risky in some parts of the country converts to christianity from islam face additional persecution from family and society number nine iran uh persecution type islamic again uh, estimated amount of Christians, 800,000, which is almost a million there. Christians are forbidden from sharing their faith with non-Christians. Therefore, church services in Persian, the national language, are not allowed. Converts from Islam face persecution from the government. If they attend an underground house church, they face the constant threat of arrest. Iranian society is governed by Islamic law, which means the rights and professional possibilities for Christians are heavily restricted. And then in number 10 is India. And a lot of people uh, don't, don't understand India's population. It's really interesting. Uh, the persecution type they're labeling as religious nationalism with an estimated number of 65 million, uh, 61,000 believers. Now think about that. How many of you knew Put a one if you know this. How many of you realize that there is over 65 million Christians in India? I think that's amazing. Okay. So 65 million Christians in India. Um, and it says here, Christians have been targeted by Hindu nationalist extremists more each year. Uh-huh. Since the current ruling party took power in 2014, attacks have increased and Hindu radicals believe they can attack Christians 
with no consequences. The view of the nationalists is that to be Indian is to be Hindu, so any other faith, including Christianity, is viewed as non-Indian. Additionally, in some regions of the country, converts to Christianity from Hinduism experience extreme persecution, discrimination, and violence. And I would also add, it doesn't, Joe doesn't, didn't write about this here, but I would also add that the definition of Christian, I believe, in this specific country uh, would probably also include the Catholic Church. Um, you know, remember we had Mother Teresa and, and others go and do a lot of work there, and she was Catholic um, and all that. So the interesting thing to note and for us to care about, I think, is that of the top 10 persecuted uh, you know, of the top 10 persecutors in the nations and the top 10 nations where Christians are persecuted, the overwhelming majority are being persecuted by Islam. You got communism, you got Islam. And what's interesting is China is no longer in the top 10. Uh, I don't know, they could be 11, but at least in this list, China isn't even listed. But China also has very severe um, Christian persecution because uh, China is a communist nation, right? Um, and yet they have uh, millions and millions and millions of Christians are, are living in China. And it is my hope and prayer that one day, I, I think it would be amazing. I think it would be absolutely phenomenal to use Mia's word regarding Andy's custard yogurt. <laughs> Andy's custard, phenomenal. Uh, I think it would be phenomenal to see China communism fall and also North Korea's communism. I think that would be the most amazing answer to prayer in the history of our current world. If those two countries fell, the communism and the Christians got to live free. Could you guys imagine that? That would be, I would be crying tears of joy because I believe that the Lord can do it. He did it with Russia. Of course, now Russia is persecuting Christians again. But um, but there was a period in our lifetime when Russia, the USSR, as it was called, was actually opened up. Communism fell. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. You know, and the church got to go in, evangelize Russia. And they did. And then, of course, you know, um, what's his mug? Putin. Uh, now is persecuting believers, even even so much so now that that you know Franklin Graham won't even bring his ministry in there because he can't, because he can't. And so, can you imagine when that day will be for for the China China church, the Chinese church or the North Korean church? Can you imagine what it must like be like, you know, as they're praying for freedom and deliverance from their oppressive communist governments, and then here in America. We don't have a communist dictator. We have a leftist political party called the the called the, the, the they're called the Republican Party called the Democratic Party that is leaning way towards the left and socialism. They want to take away our religious freedom, and we also have Islam, who's already infiltrated our country and our and our government, implementing very slowly Sharia law, right, one by one by one by one, you know. Um, and yeah, meanwhile, we're just snoozing away, like, oh, whatever. Yes, let's let's coexist. Yeah, you know, somebody actually invited me today. Um, they they were they're not a believer. They were raised in the church, and they really should know better, and they do. But they're like, I wanted you to see this person, and and 
you know, be a part of their coexist religion workshop or whatever it was. And I'm like, I I have no interest in this. I have no interest in interfaith dialogue. Uh, I have no interest in pretending that Christianity is exactly like every other faith in the freaking world, because it's not, just so you know. And just like at the beginning of this song, I'm going to testify to love, the real love of Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for my sin. He died for your sin. And you know what? You can pretend to coexist with other people, if you will, but I always find it odd and weird that people who spew the coexist garbage are always intolerant of Christianity and what we believe. It's like, well, wait a minute. You know, Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one came to the Father but by him. Yeah, Oprah, that's true. And you know that he is the way. And if you're going to call me a narrow hater, homophobic bigot, blah, 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 then thank you. I appreciate it. You know why? Because narrow is the way and few find it. And broad is broad is the path to destruction. And many go that way. And just so you know, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go the broad way. I want to go to the like narrow way through the cross, you know, And you know what, you guys, we're living in a day and time where we're going to have to make a choice, especially as American believers or Western believers, and and be bold enough to stand up for God and his book, the Bible, the Holy Bible, and to live according to the God's word. And you know what, I'm going to say something. I was talking to a good friend of mine this week, and uh, um, we, we don't agree on a lot of things. Um, but we respect, we, we respect one another because we're mature adults. We're not like immature people that can't hold a, you know, you're so intolerant. I can't, how dare you like bottled water? You know, I, I only drink, you know, out of the tap, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're tolerant. And, um, one of the topics that came up <clears throat> was, you know, she said to me, You know, one of the things that I really wish that the Christian church would really, you know, start talking about is, is basically, you know, how we go ahead and we gossip, you know, it's perfectly fine to gossip. Another, another, uh, another thing she talked about was, uh, you know, Christians who get paid under the table, you know, (laughs) I remember I went to a, a church in California, I won't say who it is, but there was an elder that ran a, uh, he was, uh, he had a, um, a yard service, right? Um, he was a Mexican guy and he, he had, he, he had, um, a lawn service. What are you doing? I'm just trying to keep gross from eating himself. Gotcha. Anyway, and the guy hired illegal aliens and he actually paid them under the table. And I'm like, you're an elder in a church and this is what you're doing? Seriously? I mean, you're rub- you're ripping off the government, um, and you're feeling good about this anyway. So me and my friend we were talking about this, and she was just saying, I don't understand why gay the gay issue is such a big issue when Christians are doing this type of stuff. You you're a tax evader. You lie on your taxes. Then you gossip about your pastor behind their back, uh, and then you know you <laughs> you do all this other stuff, and and you think it's okay, you know. And I'm just saying that you know it's funny to me. Because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hypocrite. It's hypocritical. You know, you can't be tolerant, uh, of like, I'm not going to be tolerant 
of lies about God. I'll just put it that way. People are going to try and tell me that I, you know, that, well, well, you're a narrow-minded hater, you're a hater bigot because you believe the Bible. Yeah, I guess so. Have you ever read the Bible? No, of course not. You haven't because you think you're a freaking know-it-all and you're judgmental and hateful. And then you point at me, thou shalt not judge. Really? Okay. Have you ever read the context? Do you even understand the history in which the Bible was written? Or are you spewing off some liberal stupidity that you heard in some liberal college that used to be actually a Christian college that was founded on religious freedom when we originally actually had religious freedom in the country where Christians weren't being discriminated against here in America? Just saying. Most people are like, what? Did you just say that? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I did. Just so you know, I did. What are you going to do about it? It. Anyway, why do I say that? Because... <clears throat> 2020 is coming up, people. Islam wants to take over America by 2020. You know, do you think they will? I don't think they will, not by 2020. But what I do think is they're they're working toward it. You know, and Christians are going to have to be able to stand up for what they believe and not compromise. And you know what? People compromise all the time in their Christian faith because they don't actually really know what they believe. And you're back. Anyway, because they don't read the Bible. They're biblically illiterate, you know. And I can tell you, there is a lot of, um, there is a hunger, I think, and a thirst for actual biblical knowledge and training and discipleship. Um, and there's a lack of people who are out there trying to mentor and disciple people because you have nothing but feel-good Christianity happening in the media, you know, which actually leads us a little bit into, um, you know, the, the second story that we want to talk about. But uh, before I do, Bearface, you want to comment on anything I just said? And um, <laughs> I'm looking at some of the comments. They're kind of funny. I'm going to go ahead and do check tell. that here. Some of, the comments. some of the comments, yes. Well, okay, so some of the comments, let's see here. I'm going to scroll back. Uh, let's see. Now, first, Sean was mentioning Hinduism. Um, yeah, believes he, Sean said Hinduism cr believes Christians are less intellectual than them, and India has a caste system problem. Yeah. yeah, they do. And, you know, I've mentioned before that Hinduism, you know, Hindus actually persecute Christians. People look at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I know what I'm talking about. Go look it up. It's true. Mm -hmm. um, and so Bobby says, or okay, this person says, let's impeach Donald J. Trump. And then Bobby says, which Bible they keep changing. Um, and then DMC says, I'm a Christian. I hate Trump. Uh, and then DMC says, pray for impeach Donald Trump. How is Trump a Christian? Talk about hypocrites. Trump is the Antichrist. Because <laughs> we've been talking about nothing but Donald J. Trump this, you know, since for the past 38 minutes. Right. I don't I remember anybody bringing him up. <laughs> I don't but... think we even mentioned Trump. No. But, anyway, your thoughts? <laughs> well, there's my thots on that. I'm, that's a non sequitur. Um, You're such a hater, you Trump lover. Actually, and then I, I actually... love the which Bible they're always changing. Like, like changing what way? Like, new translations? As, as... 
you know, as language changes, as, as language deteriorates, really, at least the English language, you know, we have new translations to fit modern English, which is getting less precise all the time, and that's a whole other subject, but, um, yeah, people, I, I have to address it, because people... Go ahead, go ahead. People say this thing, well, you know, the Bible, you know, has been translated so many times, and it's like the telephone game. How do we know what we have? You know, we it could be, as was in that article, yeah, Jesus went to the bathroom, washed his hands, and it, now we say he walked on water. Because, you know, down through the ages, you know, it's been... No, 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 I love no. my husband. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing like the telephone game. It's... No, if you want the real history, go get a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Yeah. By Josh As McDowell. The, the trans- and look at what they did, okay? The transmission of the scripture is not like the telephone game. Right. It's more like a newspaper. Like the Associated Press publishes a story and it shows up in multiple papers. You know, they just subscribe to the feed and, and right. it's printed multiple times. It's the same kind of thing. Only they had scribes where this is, hey, you know, we've got this letter from Paul room full of scribes, everybody writes it down, and they make copies of the copies. They don't whisper it in somebody's ear and go write this down. You always had the copies there. And we've known that for the New Testament documents because we've got we've got um we've got complete New Testaments like from the second century, fragments from the first century. There, there there are actually a lot of fragments from the first century that they that they actually just recently discovered. Right. They so we, actually did. Actually, yeah. So <laughs> there's always been a confidence in in the in the preservation of the New Testament documents, the New Testament Greek, which is the original language and we still have the Greek throughout the centuries. Those new translations aren't translations from from Greek into Latin into German into Norwegian into French into now we know they're always translated from the source and so anyway uh, so when there's a King James and a new King James and a new living translation it's not like the new living translation is a translation of the old translation which is a translation of the new King James which is a translation of the King James which is translate no and like I always go back to the source language and Retranslated. It's translated from the original languages. Bottom line is anybody that says that they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, basically. But, but for it, it's long been established for for you know going back like you know fifteen hundreds, fourteen you know way back hundreds of years the reliability of the preservation. I can't hear myself now. I'm just turning it down. It seems it seems really hot over here. Okay. Well. The um, you know, the preservation of the New Testament has long since been established. There was some there was some doubt about the Old Testament, even though you know, it's old as scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, because there haven't been as many copies to compare. Um, there they've usually done so much more meticulously by the by scribes, and so and they're you know they're. Whereas the New Testament documents, like, wow, let's publish this far and wide. You know, the, the the Hebrew documents were more like, here's the scroll we keep in the synagogue, and and that's kind of it, sort of. And so it was just kind of taken on fate for a long time until until the 1940s, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, and here we have 
Old Testament copies, you know, going back. Like the whole book. Yeah. And this is only that we know of. We don't know what they've hidden from us. Yeah. You know, we don't know what what has actually been discovered that the governments in Turkey and other places have hidden from us. Mm-hmm. You I know, don't. the the Illuminati, what they don't want us to know. And anyway, so with these with these manuscripts that are hundreds and hundreds of years old, and looking to what we have now has been passed down in the Hebrew text and comparing them, with, wow, it's been meticulously preserved. Yep. So, so when you say so many translations, there's there's always a new one. Well, whatever your native language is, I'm comfortable with the. I'm comfortable with the King James, not the not the original 1611, because there were no spelling conventions then, and and some of you may find it hard to recognize as English, but yeah, you know, there are plenty of good Spanish translations and French translations and whatever. Which one? Well, whatever and, one's in your native language, and you know, and then there there are places too, though that that's still what they do. They translate the Bible so that people can get it in their actual language and they're not translating it from the new living translation not translating it from you know a a french version they happen to have in their back pocket or whatever Mm -hmm. you know french into this new you know language in papua new guinea they go to the hebrew and the greek Mm -hmm. aramaic there's some portions of daniel that are in aramaic but yeah it's anyway Anyway, yeah, we're, we we're do gonna, regress. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, you know, okay. So let's thank our sponsor, Ariel Ministries. You know, you guys see the ticker down there. There are a lot of good things in that ticker. You should be paying attention to that. Uh, Spark Naturals essential oil. You can save ten percent when you use the coupon code John three sixteen. Ariel is our main sponsor. You can save 20% when you use the coupon Bible News, and actually we recommend a lot of their stuff. You really want to get a grasp. I mean, I highly recommend the Life of Christ from a Jewish Perspective. Highlights of the Life of Christ from a Jewish Perspective. You can get the series and listen to Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, teach it and learn a ton, or you can get the books and just read it, you know. Um, And it will change your life and your understanding of Scripture. And I'm going to tell you something. It's worth it. It's worth it because if you want to be a confident believer and you you don't want to waver in your faith and you want to understand what you're really believing, learn the context in which it's written and get it and, you know, and, and make that part of your daily devotion time where you're reading through it and you're like, oh, wow, this is amazing. It really is amazing, you guys. It really, 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 really is. Um, and the rise of anti-Semitism in the world, um, you know, the more you know about the, the, the Jewish history, which, by the way, I should tell you, uh, I am going to be having a guest on, on the show soon. Uh, let me see here. I'm going to try to bring him up here. But the anti-Semitism, you know, that's happening in the church today, especially, is it's, it's of the devil, uh, for sure. Uh, but I will tell you, Craig von Busick, who was recently on the 700 Club, uh, he wrote him down. He wrote a book called um, "I Am Cyrus," and it's actually about. I think it's about. Was it about Roosevelt? Wait, hold on. I can tell you. Um, but he messaged me, and Craig is a scholar. He's he's been doing this stuff. It's uh, it's called "I Am Cyrus," and I am yeah no. It's about Harry Truman and the rebirth of Israel. So I'm gonna have him on for the whole show in a couple of weeks. And 
if you if you want to know about your biblical roots, you want to know about the how Israel was reestablished and why Israel is so important and how that fits in the Bible prophecy, you're going to want to tune into this episode I'm going to do. If you want to learn more, you can go to vonbusick.com. That's V-O-N-B-U-S-E-C-K.com. And right there on the front page of his website, he actually has the link to the 700 Club interview that he did with Wendy Griffith. And you can actually go to Amazon as well, but he actually has on his website the book. It's called Dr. Craig Von Busick, and the name of the book is called The Epic Story of Prophecy Fulfilled. I am Cyrus Harry S. Truman and the Rebirth of Israel. Um, you know, if you know this stuff, then you'll never have to, to fear anybody, you know, saying anything really stupid to you because you'll go, Clearly, you don't know history. The very fact, I mean, if we had no other evidence that God existed, just look at the nation of Israel and explain it. <laughs> explain that. Explain Israel. Explain Hebrew. Explain the Greek. You know, explain, um, explain Israel. Explain a six-day war. We know that's historical. That's been proven. You know, ex that's like the shortest war in the history of all mankind. Like, less than a week. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, so that's coming up on, what day am, what day am I, am I having him on? I forgot. Oh, September 7th is when I'm, shut up, Randall. <laughs> you going to put that on the screen? There. Okay. That's why I told him to shut up because he put the word actually up there. See, this is the type of snarky producer I have, people. Mm-hmm. Anyway... <laughs> You want to put up anyway, too? Hmm? Do you? Okay. <laughs> uh, and all of a sudden, I'm hungry. I, I really need a snack. <laughs> I didn't eat dinner. Uh, anyway. Anyway, the other thing I wanted to tell you about was Legal Shield. Hey, you guys. This is super awesome. I, I am in the running to get uh, in a drawing to help win a $250 gift card uh, for... Uh, Camp Horizon, which is the nonprofit that I am supporting, and uh, tomorrow actually there's a cornhole tournament uh, supporting Camp Horizon, which is a camp here locally in Tennessee for children who have cancer and the siblings of those children. Um, and um, anyway, I, I sponsored that, uh, but Legal Shield this month is is giving us the opportunity to uh, um, to get money for charity. And so here's the thing I need, um, I would like, well, technically I would like a lot more, but, um, but I need like two more sales this month, uh, that would help towards me getting in a drawing for that. And, or if you have never heard me talk about legal shield and you want to like a, a presentation where I can actually share with you just what it is we do. And then I could submit your name on a sheet saying that I talked to you about it. That will actually also get me an entry into a different drawing that would potentially get me a, into the drawing for the $250 gift card. So I don't, you don't even have to spend anything to help the kids or help me be able to help the kids more. Cause, um, uh, that would, that would be super cool. So anyway, and I do want to say, you know, I was talking to somebody this, this afternoon, um, you know, somebody who, um, has recently been taken advantage of by a publishing company. 
And what I can tell you is that if you if you decide you want to write a book, don't bother going through some publisher to get it published. Just don't do it. Just do it yourself. You know, unless you're super famous and you want to spend a lot of money to, and you, you're really super patient and you want to get submitted to a Christian publisher. Really? Really? Can you guys hear my cat? He's making a lot of noise. Really? Okay, anyway. Um, first of all, if you get your book published through a traditional Christian publisher, you're going to have to submit a book proposal to them. And they're going to have to approve your book proposal. you got to go through this process. Okay? Once that's done, you're still going to end up doing all your publicity anyway. So I say forget the Christian publishers. Just do it yourself. Because you're going to do your own publicity. Because um, you know what? Too many people get taken advantage of by these these print, you know, these small publishers or some, in some cases, big publishers that all they do is rip off people who want to publish books. I mean, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so I was trying to tell somebody about this today and how Legal Shield actually, yeah, they can bareface. They can actually help you go through contracts and review the stuff. Like it, like if you if you really want to get your book published through someplace and you're going to use a publisher that claims that they know what the heck they're doing, uh, if it's a pay-to-play printer like Morgan James Publishing is, you, you actually, like Morgan James Publishing, as an example, Morgan James is a pay-to-play publisher, meaning that they don't charge you to publish their book. What they actually charge you, or it, it puts in their contract, they require you to buy a couple thousand of your own books. They, so they'll publish it for you, but you're required to buy a few thousand of the books from them at, at a specific cost or whatever. And of course you can negotiate, but in most cases people don't do that. And so they're making, they're making a lot of money off you, um, and not necessarily doing, doing the job that they may, may or may not do. And I'm not saying Morgan James, there is controversy with them, but what I am saying is that some people go, oh, I just got published by Morgan James Publishing. A real publisher when it's BS, they're a pay-to-pay publisher. Because a real publisher, if they actually, like like a Harvest House, let's say, a real publisher, you submit a book proposal, then, then it gets published, you go through an editing process, then there's publicity, you are not required to buy the books. You know, they put it out and then they look at the book sales for you. And if you're lucky, you'll sell your book, you know, and hopefully they'll help you. You'll do a press tour. You'll do a tour through radio, internet, bloggers, blah, blah. They have all that set up, but it and costs money. they will money. pay you. They'll pay you, and it actually costs money. So anyway, th- th- that's just an aside. But with Legal Shield, what I can tell you is that that type of stuff we deal with, right? Because contract review is one of our things. And contract review, um, you know, a lot of people don't do their due diligence and they'll go ahead and they'll they'll get involved with some type of scam like that or scheme, not knowing what the contract says. And then they get taken taken advantage of. Somebody was talking to me today and they were saying that they went through this other publisher, um, which sounds like a scam publisher to me. They published their book. And in the first 20 pages they found a couple of errors and they paid for the editor. They paid extra to get the book edited by the so-called publishing company. And I'm like, 
And and now they that company wants to charge them to go back and fix it. I'm like, you need legal shield for that, you know, stuff like that. You would never think um, that you need an attorney for, but it's 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 my job to let you know that there's a lot more to legal shield than just you know uh, this stuff. And really, the more the more people I talk to about this, the more annoyed I get because I hear. So many stories, const- I mean, every day, practically, I hear a story and I'm like, <sighs> in fact, I heard something today. I just want to put this under your hat. Those who make the least get mistreated the most. You know, those who make the least get mistreated the most. Melissa Wilder said that. Melissa Wilder has sold over 10,000 memberships herself, just her um, alone to legal shield. So she knows what she's talking about, you know, and if you're somebody that you're on limited income and you're, you're dealing with stuff and you're not getting any legal help when you, you could afford it for 25 bucks, then please talk to me because I want to help you. And that's what I was telling this person today. I was saying, look, they're, they want to charge you 75 bucks again to fix an error that shouldn't have been there in the first place i'm like pay me 25 bucks let's get you set up with legal shield we'll fix the problem and you'll get your money back and then you'll have more money because you've you dealt with the problem instead of letting them walk all over you don't let people walk all over you i guess that's ultimately what i want to say and legal shield lets you do that legal shield gives you the power to not let people walk all over you just saying all right that's probably not the best way to promote it, but I am anyway. <laughs> All right. So Randall, it's almost nine o'clock. Do, do we want to um, do the Josh Harris story or what? Um, Hi, Angie. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do it. Okay. Because it's kind of like the oldest story that we have. And Okay. So I had a number of people message me about this story that broke about a month ago. And, you know, Randall and I, we were talking about it. We talked about it off air. Um, but there's been, a num- there's been a couple of well-known, pretty famous Christian celebrities out there who recently recanted their faith and basically came out and said that they weren't Christians anymore. Uh, Josh Harris uh, is one of those people. And unless you're really plugged into the Christian world, uh, you probably don't even know who this person is. Um, I mean, I didn't, and I'm very connected to the Christian world. Um, so I'm going to look at the Newsweek article, uh, Randall, the, that one. Is that the one that you got up there? Is that, that the Newsweek one? Okay, so this is titled, um, Purity Expert Josh Harris Announces I Am Not a Christian Apologizes to the LGBT Community. And I think we, we um, went ahead and we, uh, um, you know, went ahead and looked at this. Have we all heard the latest about Todd Bentley? Well, Todd Bentley is a false teacher anyway, so, you know, I don't know what the latest is with him, but I do know the man's a false teacher, um, and I wouldn't listen to him, so that's probably why I haven't heard anything from him, because I don't listen to false teachers, generally speaking, but, but if you want to know, let me know. I haven't, you know, I haven't had time to look into that, but, but this here um, says here, a leader in the Christian purity movement has announced, quote, he is falling away from Christianity and says he regrets his teachings on dating and sexuality. Joshua Harris, who first came to notice when he wrote I Kissed Dating Goodbye as a 21-year-old, also shared that he and his wife, Shannon, are splitting up and will continue our life together as friends. I have undergone a massive shift in, re- in regard to my faith in Jesus, Harris wrote Friday in an Instagram post. The popular phrase, 
for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Harris, the son of Christian homeschooling pioneers Greg and Sono Harris, served as senior pastor of Covenant Life Church from 2004 to 2015. He also wrote Boy Meets Girl, Say Hello to Courtship and Sex Isn't the Problem, Lust Is, Encouraging Courtship Rather than Recreational Dating and Abstinence Before Marriage. That's why this is such a big story in the in the Christian world, by the way. Um uh, he wrote here, my heart is full of gratitude. I wish you could see all the messages people sent me after the announcement of my divorce. They are expressions of love, though they are saddened or even, even strongly disapprove of the decision. I'm learning that no group has the market cornered on grace. This week, I've received grace from Christians, atheists, evangelicals, and ex-evangelicals, straight people, LGBTQ people, and everyone in between. Of course, there have also been strong words of rebuke from religious people. While not always pleasant, I know they are seeking to love me. There have also been spiteful, hateful comments that angered and hurt me. The information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phase, uh, phrase rather, is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith and I want to remain open to this, but I am not there now. Martin Luther said that the entire life of believers should be repentance. There's beauty in that sentiment, regardless of your view of God. I have lived in repentance for the past several years, repenting of my self-righteousness, my fear-based approach to life, the teaching of my books, my views of women in the church, and my approach to parenting, to name a few. But I specifically want to add to this list now to the LGBTQ+. The plus is pedophilia, by the way, and bestiality and stuff like that, just so you know. Community. I want to say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. I regret standing against marriage equality for not affirming you in your place in the church and for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. To my Christian friends, I'm grateful for your prayers. Don't take it personally if I don't immediately return calls. I can't join in your mourning. I don't view this moment negatively. I feel very much alive and awake and surprisingly hopeful. I believe with my sister Julian that all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. And at the time of this, um, <clears throat> this screenshot, it was, there was 6,727 comments on that. Um, anyway, the article goes on to say, while I stand by my book's call to sincerely love others, my thinking has changed significantly in the past 20 years. I no longer agree with it, with its central idea that dating should be avoided. I now think dating can be a healthy part of a person developing relationally and learning the qualities that matter most in a partner. Harris has walked back some of his views in recent years, stating he no longer believed Christians should date or shouldn't date. Rather, he asked Multnomah Books to stop printing "I Kiss Dating Goodbye." Uh, I have lived in repentance. Okay, he said the same thing here. Blah blah. Okay, and he apologized to the homosexual community, which <clears throat> I still haven't found anywhere in scripture where Jesus apologized to those who sinned against him. Just saying. Anyway, um, then he says here, um, 
I, I will quote this again. I specifically want to add to this list now to the LGBTQ plus community. And, you know, honestly, the first thing I thought was he's divorcing his wife. He's apologizing to the LGBT community. So he must be gay now. That's my, that was my first thought. I don't know if he is, but that was my fault, my thought. Um, and, um, anyway, and so, and he wanted to apologize for not affirming them and their place in the church. Uh, there is no place in the church for the LGBT community, just so you know. And for many, anyways, that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. Well, he's asking the gay community to forgive him. If I was him, I would be asking God to forgive him. Um, just saying. In an op-ed for the Christian Post, evangelical activist Mike Ferris criticized Harris for walking away from his marriage. You have walked away from your faith in Christ, he wrote. That's even worse. Ferris admitted he agreed with the guiding principles behind I kiss dating goodbye, but said Harris was too dependent on formulas for life. You thought your faith and your marriage were based on formulas. They never went deeper than that. I do commend you for the intellectual integrity, for recognizing that your secondary views, embracing the LGBT agenda, etc., are utterly inconsistent with Christianity. He added, as is your view that it's okay to walk away from your marriage for the reasons you've stated. Both of these proved that you had renounced Christianity before you said so publicly. Covenant Life Church also posted an open letter urging congregants to pray for Harris's redemption and restoration. And again, you know, what I'm going to say right now may sound judgmental, but you know what? I'm just going to say it, and if you don't like it, you can just shut me off. I don't really care. Who gives a crap? Honestly. Who gives a crap about Joshua Harris? You know what really ticks me off about this? What really ticks me off is his wife has been the forgotten one, and his children. They're the forgotten ones. These are the, these are the victims of jerks like this guy, Okay. And not only that, but from what I read in the, the history of how even this dude even got into, like, he got his book and stuff. He was very young. I believe he was like 21 when this book was published. And the celebrity culture of the Christian media world decided to put this guy in a position of leadership as a baby believer. And so rather than actually have a mature man of God in a position of authority, not only of the church, but even in putting out stuff that this kid wrote, and I'm sorry, 21 years old is a bratty kid, in my opinion. Uh, I don't care how smart or intellectual you are. 21 year old, your brain isn't even fully developed at 21 years old. Just saying, you know. And so it really irks me. You know, these apostates, and that's what he is. That's just what they are. They're apostates. Who gives a crap? Bye. If you want to kiss your relationship and go into heaven goodbye, that's on you. But why try to bring down the church and even worse, bring down your own family that trusted you to not only be a husband, but a father? That makes you a slime ball, in my opinion. Bareface? Um, Just saying. It does. I, it, I, it, I agree. Me, it makes me mad. It's like, you know what? Man up, you wimp. You know, agree. And, and trying to get all this sympathy and acting like a big wuss victim. I mean, it's like. I mean, if if you wanted to quote renounce his faith, you know, have the decency to stay in there. Sorry, as a, it just makes me. I know I'm so Christian, right? But you have, know? have the decency to stay in there as a, a father and a husband, right? At least a father until the children are grown. You know, you know, be there as a provider for his wife and his children. 
Um, I don't know what's going to get out of that alimony or child support, whatever. Maybe that may come in, but that's just—it's right. not the same as being there, right? Um, and you make a good point on that. Well, uh, I was because they—they get forgotten. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. let's feel sorry for this guy. Oh, let's pray for him. No, let's just kick him to the curb. If you want to be a complete apostate jerk face butthead, which clearly he is, you know what? The man deserves no sympathy in my in my opinion. But uh, again, I'm not your, you know, I'm I'm your truth teller, you know. Yeah. I'm I'm not trying to coddle the apostates. I'm trying to kick them out of the church. Right. Um, drives me crazy. Um, I wanted to approach it from a soteriological. Ooh, point of view. big theological word. Ooh, yeah. Okay, that's what you're for. I'm here to vent and be a girl. Right. You're here to vent and be all mature and like <laughs> scholarly. Well, uh, from from a point, from a salvation point of view. That's what soteriology means. Soteriology. People. Yeah, whatever. Um, I could see it in my head. Good. Just say. Um, you know, because people I may say, things, well, well how, do, how does someone lose their faith? You know, can you decide not to have your faith anymore? I mean, if we did nothing to qualify for salvation, how do we disqualify? So is he still saved? I'm going to say no, that he was never, never saved. saved. That's my opinion. And, and how do I come to such a, an opinion biblically? Um, I'm going to look at Hebrews chapter 6 here. Some people look at this and say, oh, this is about losing your salvation. Uh, the peril of not progressing is given the, the chapter title here on BibleHub.com. I don't know why, but mm. uh, the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who it is, and that's fine, yeah. writes to the Hebrew. Although many speculate it was Paul. But, but there's some debate about it. I've but got plenty of reason to believe it wasn't Paul. But it was that's probably a... Barnabas then. Anyway. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles <laughs> of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again. The foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on hands, of resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. It's not okay. You know, we're trying to go on from that because this, this is the these these are the elementary. You know, the this the the elementary principles here. These are the the fundamental things of Christ. Uh, you know, repentance from dead works, faith toward God, that that sort of things, resurrection from the dead says, let's go on from that, because he says, for it is impossible, or maybe she says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have taken the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance since they crucify for them again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Now, it sounds like, losing faith but even in the english we see it enlightened we never see that word used of true believers who have embraced faith in christ who have accepted christ who have tasted the heavenly gift who have become partakers of the holy spirit that language in english and in greek is never used of true believers We're talking about um receiving the holy spirit um and things like that not partakers and and tasted the good word of god uh these things these these verbs that are used here 
in this passage, we don't find elsewhere in the New Testament talking of true believers and their relationship with the body of Christ, this tasted and enlightened and sort of, I believe it was talking about is people who have been in the church, they've benefited from fellowship, they've they've seen the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives, they've seen transformed lives, they've seen, you know, the... They've seen the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control and, and believers, and they've been part of that community. Um, um, somewhere else, um, I think in one of the other um, epistles, talks about uh, they went out from among, from us, but they were not of us. Right. It was speaking, and so, ultimately, this is talking to people who have been, who have benefited from being in, in within the body of Christ, not part of it, but among among the body of Christ. Let me put it that way. That's a better. That's a better um, preposition. That they've been among the body of Christ, and so then they decide, eh, this isn't for me. I can't. Whatever. I can't wrap my mind or my heart around or I just don't like it. I'm gone. So then they leave. Well, yes, it is impossible to renew them again into a place where they're actually repent because what what are you going to what are you going to preach to them? What are you going to show them? They've been they've been walking among hmm. real believers in the body of Christ and they say, "I don't need this." I don't that the, what are you going to what's the message then? Right. When they when they've heard the message of salvation, they've seen the message of salvation, the power of the power of God and the Holy Spirit in action. They see transformed lives. You know, what's the message to them for them to come to come to genuine faith on their own? Yeah. Well, you know, Julie Royce, who I have a lot of respect for, she she wrote on her blog, um, uh, she titled the article, Josh Harris's former megachurch response to announcement he's not a Christian. Uh, and then, and I'm just going to skip down here because she already covered the same stuff. But, but she wrote here, Rogers noted that in 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul mentions former Christian leaders swerving from, wandering from, or making a shipwreck of their faith. And he said that though abandoning faith is sad and confusing, it isn't new. Rogers urged congregants to pray for Harris's redemption and restoration. Uh, Rogers also said that people in the church should use the news about Harris as an opportunity for greater resolve in their own faith. He urged people to guard the good deposit entrusted to them and to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness, which is in 1 Timothy 6.11. In a postscript, the church encouraged those especially wrestling with how to process the new the news, rather, from Harris is to view a video from the author and retired pastor John Piper, which I, I wouldn't bother with. Um, but here's the thing. You know, I think, again, what irks me the most about this is that you have these apostates uh, apologizing to the, to the gay community. Why? Why aren't they apologizing? I mean, look, why is it the gay community, these fallen so-called pastors, always apologize to the gay community? Why aren't they apologizing to the Islamic community? Hmm? You know, 
I don't see an apology to Islam. How come they're not apologizing to atheists and free thinkers and agnostics? You know, how come they're not apologizing uh, to, you know, the secular humanist society or those who believe in evolution? Why is it always the gay community they're apologizing to? Hmm? Just curious, you know. But again, it goes back to that. But the other thing, like I said, the victims that they are forgetting about are the wife and the kids, you know. And to me, it's just it's just the epitome of complete selfishness, uh, you know. And then, you know, and, and yet, you know, you guys, look, I have covered on this show. I've, got, I've done this show 15 years. And in the 15 years I've done this show, I have seen a movement of pastors coming out as atheists. There's actually, in case you don't know this, there is actually a network of pastors who are still in the pulpit who come out to their churches as not believing in the gospel and they're actually atheists. Google it. It's online. You can find it. Uh, I covered it. You, you remember when I covered that, Randall? I mean... So it's like, oh, all of a sudden, it's like, well, why don't you get another job if you don't, you know, I mean, you know, there are Christian schools now that Islam is coming into and, and they're hiring Islamic people to head up Christian schools. Did you know that? I mean, it's like, okay, so like, what's the point of faith if there is no exclusivity with it? You know, and again, the victims, these people try and make themselves out to be the victim. Like, who gives a crap? Like, whose business is it anyway? Why did this ha even have to become, you know, news? International news, by the way, not just local or state. You know, there was a, also a Hillsong uh, worship leader or pastor that recently came out and, and apologized to the world. And he declared he isn't a Christian either. It was at Brian Houston's church, I believe. And it's like, okay. So what's the role there? And why is this devastating so many peoples of faith? It's, I think a lot of it is you have the Christian celebrity culture. Just because somebody writes a nice song, all of a sudden they're up there. And they're like supposedly the epitome of spiritual maturity. Here's a newsflash. Worship leaders are the last people I would turn to as examples of spiritual maturity. And you can hate me for saying that, but I can tell you this. I've been in the church long enough to know that the worship team is the devil's playground in most churches. You want to see ego? Look at the worship team in a church. You want to see infighting in a church? Look at the worship team. Look at the music department. <laughs> and I know I'm not alone in that either. I mean, if you've been in the church for any length of time... You know that. And it go and, and I believe in the spiritual world, it's actually tied back to Lucifer, who many believe was the lead worship choir singer up there in heaven before he fell. So, yeah. Anyway, it drives me crazy. It's like, yeah. But anyway. Do you want to comment or should I just leave me hanging? Do you agree with me? Disagree with me? Think I'm too opinionated? Well, you're definitely opinionated. You have... I'm Jewish. One one seldom has to ask you how you feel about something. Well, but yeah, I've, I I say stuff people are afraid to say. Yeah, I'm... and you know what? I have people coming to me all the time telling me, "Thank you so much for saying that. I'm so glad you said it, and I didn't have to." 
I've been a member of many worship teams. I know you have. And yes, I think I think because <laughs> because of that, because of the leadership role that's often not looked at as leadership, you know, is not looked at like pastoral staff, but has a great influence on a congregation, that yes, definitely a target. Yeah, and I'm not saying all worship women. leaders are scumbags or apostates. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that if you want to see where a lot of immaturity leaders are, it's there. Because they, all they care about, oh, there's a... I mean, think about how many of you... Okay, like, I'm just going to vent just for a second. How many of you go to church because it makes you feel good? How many of you have... Like, you you church shopped. You looked for the perfect church that made you feel good. It gave you the special worship music that you liked. Or there's, you know, they had a special service for your kids that, that you could go drop your kids off and get rid of them for a couple hours at Awana or whatever. You know, like, no, you wouldn't do Awana if you're... If you're that type, but you know what I'm saying? A lot of people, they, they use church as a club, as opposed to going there to get discipled and mentored and grow in their, their faith. Yeah. And, and to disciple others, hopefully. And Randall and I are just as guilty. When we were younger, we mm-hmm. did the same thing. We, we went to yeah. the vineyard for, for well over a decade. We attended the vineyard, Anaheim vineyard when John Wimber was there, uh, Carl Tuttle was there, uh, you know, and then, um, and then we went to Newport Vineyard. There was a lot of problems in those churches. And, you know, and then we went to other churches. But, you know, this current church that we go to, we didn't shop for it at all. We, you know what? We came to our the city that we're in. We we were like, we're not even go to church here. And the only reason we're at the church that we're at is because my dad wanted to go to a Baptist church. And when I came and we took my dad in, we took him to this Baptist church. And we were like, yeah, okay, whatever. And I'm like, I don't really give a crap. I mean, I really, this was honestly my, my truth, the truth. I was like, I don't even give a crap about this church. I don't care about the pastor. I don't care about anything in this church. My dad wants to go here. I'm just going to go here. I'm going to sit here. I ain't going to do a darn thing in this stinking church because I know how churches work, right? And I'm just saying. And for like, what, six years we attended this church pretty much? Yeah, no. Close to six years. Five years? Okay, about five years. Okay, five years. You know, and 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 then I'm like, me and Randall are like, well, what do you think of the pastor? You like his teaching? Yeah, that's all right. Sounds pretty good. You know, what do you think of the worship? Whatever. I don't really care. I'm not going for the worship. And really, our church, if you want to, quote, compare it to other churches around here, <laughs> thumbs down when it comes to worship. I mean, if that's, if that's I mean, your priority. What I'm saying is, is it's not... It's not like this, this, uh, it's not like you got 15 people up there and, and a playlist, 10, 10 songs long with, you know, raise your hands here, do this here and blah. It's nothing like that. With the lights and the fog machine. It's nothing like the vineyard. (laughs) It's not, it's nothing like Grace Chapel. Let's put it that way. You know, I've never been there. No, I've watched their service online. Oh, okay. Trust me, it's nothing like Grace Chapel. Anyway, but the funny thing is, is we're we're there, and and you know what? God, guess what happened? We started building relationships with people there, hmm. <laughs> and we started serving, going to the church just to serve, not to get. You know, and then after a while, we're like, yeah, okay, we should just join. So, 
<laughs> so we did. Well, I suppose we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit of some. Well, I think because if you're actually in an environment where you're being discipled and you're actually growing in your faith, then that helps you in your times of doubt. The irony here well, with this yeah, Josh Harris basically story is that... to encourage one another to this, love yeah, good work. This is... But this guy was leading a church... And then he leaves his wife and apologizes to the gay community. I don't know. It doesn't take much to figure out why. I mean, all these years, you know, he was repressed. He was raised in a biblical Christian home and he had to suppress his feelings. He was secretly gay his whole life and, and well, he be, repressed it. I'm, I wouldn't surprise that that's the next thing. Especially, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised especially at all. Especially as this story dies down, you know, to reinsert himself in the in the limelight. Yeah. But. Uh, Drives me crazy. But yeah, this is the way it works. You know, those that infiltrate, go read the epistle of Jude. Right. Um, Peter talks about it too, but Jude, it's all about. It's all about those. They crept um, in unaware. Right. And and they don't just, they don't, as soon as they throw open the doors, I'm renouncing my faith. You know, as soon as they come across the threshold, no, they'll get in there, whatever, and be raised up to like pastor of the church. And then, you know, as well, to make the most damage. I don't think it's conscious, but I think that's just the way that's why the I enemy of our souls works. That's though. why I have such a problem with Christian media. Yeah. And I know mm -hmm. you would say I'm Christian media. Yeah, you are. I'm a Christian. I do media, right? But I mean, I'm not a part of the evangelical Christian right media world. There's a reason my show has never been put on Christian radio. You know what it is? I don't want it there. Yeah. That's why. And you don't tow the party line. I don't tow the party line. I'm going to tell it how it is, and I'm not going to be bought and paid for. And if you think Christian media, even Moody Radio, etc., blah, 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 you think those people aren't told what they can and cannot talk about, I'm here to tell you they are. And I know it for a fact because I know people who came out of it and when they went up and they tried to expose people, you know, for, for what they were doing, they lost their job as a result of it. Salem Radio is, Salem Radio as an example, is a conservative platform that hosts some christian author uh, uh speakers they have some jewish as well like dennis prager and stuff um but you know certain things you know moody radio <laughs> julie roy's actually came out of moody radio because she actually lost her job because she exposed the crap going on at moody radio institute or moody bible institute and the corruption there at the top at a prominent evangelical conservative christian school you know and it's like okay let's talk about it now we don't want to talk about it we're just gonna fire you you evildoer wait the person that was biblical because <laughs> they didn't want to sweep it under the rug that's what drives me crazy christian media is full of hypocrites uh and and what drives me nuts is that they promote nothing but in many ways is a bunch of crap as far as books apostasy crap you know and people buy it hook line and sinker you know what you guys if i wanted to i could have 
this show run five days a week. I could do a three-hour show easy. I could book every freaking hour with a Christian celebrity on it if I wanted to. You know what? I've had the opportunity. I have never done it because I don't want to feed our audience garbage. Everybody else is doing that. Screw it. You know, that's not what I'm about. I'm about just telling you the truth about it. And if you don't like it, bye. See ya. Don't let the door hit you. You know, it, it just, it, it, I guess, I guess because I've been doing it 15 years, it's like, it bothers me that, that so many people get suckered by this and the, and, and the, the problem with Christian celebrity is that all of the glory goes to the Christian celebrity. And so many of these people are two-faced hypocrites that you would not believe the Devo and the Divas they are. And I've interviewed a number of them before I knew better, you know, I'm, and it's, just, and, 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 and it, it, it's like, there is, wait, oh, Jesus, who is that? Oh yeah, that's the guy you're supposed to be yapping about and talking about pointing people to him, not you and your stupid book, you know? Um, so anyway, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That was for free. That was my rant, people. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, which is why also in many of these Christian places, you would never hear a guest like my guest coming up uh, next week, Darren Mellon, his wife, former homosexuals. Do you know that a lot of Christian media won't even touch that? They won't even go there. They won't even interview people that came out of homosexuality because it's like, well, no, we can't do that. And I'm like, why not? Isn't this about Jesus and how he transforms lives? Well, kind of. No, it's not. It's about money. That's what it's about, people. Do you know how much it would cost me to put my show over on oneplace.com? I will tell you probably, what, 15 years ago or so? If you go to oneplace.com, it's one of the largest online Christian radio platforms. About 15 years ago, when I first started and we had actually, we were making a lot of money, it cost something like five or 600 bucks or four or 500 bucks a month for me to put my show over there. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's no big deal. Cause at the time we had the money, you know, now I'm sure that it would be probably double that. And I'm not exaggerating. It's absolutely insane how much money it costs to put your show on a Christian network and you don't get anything for it. I have a good friend that has his show all over the place. He puts out millions of dollars and I would be surprised if he, if he even brings in a hundred thousand, maybe $250,000 in donations. I mean, yeah, you can make more money that way, but the Christian media world is all about money. Just like every media is. It's all about money. And I know people come in here, well, you just have to come in when I'm asking for a donation. Become a pillar of the community, people. Yeah. Donate 20 bucks a month or 100 or 50 or whatever it is you want to Bible News Radio. Because after all, we're money hungry people. That's what we're all about. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it has nothing to do with money here. Those of you who donate, I love you for it. I appreciate it because it means a lot to me and Randall. But if this if this show was about money, uh, like some of the other Christian people on Periscope, I can name that have a couple hundred people or a couple thousand people in their broadcast because of money. Uh, that would be it would be pretty obvious. And the people on Periscope that have those big, huge audiences because of money, I, I will tell you, don't listen to them. Why? Because they're not honest people. They're, 
they're not biblical. And that's why there's a gazillion people watching them because they're promoting their crap. They're selling it to you. And it's, it's just not biblical. It's, it's just ridiculous. You know, one of the, one of the people that I respect highly in the world of Christian media, if I had to say anybody that I respect, it's Kay Arthur from Precepts Ministries, who is now about 85 years old. About 10, 11 years ago, I don't know how long ago, Randall and I went to Israel and uh, Kay actually led one day of the uh, tour that we were on. It was the, frankly, the best day that, that we spent there because it was the most biblical. She brought us through the Western Wall and, and old Jerusalem and, and taught us the Bible. We went to different things and everything. But one thing about that trip that I'll never forget is that, um, aside, and I had her sign my Bible, which wasn't even my idea, but we were at a, um, particular stop. I don't remember where it was. And we went into a gift store and I stood behind Kay Arthur as she was talking to, uh, the person that worked there. And she had a lot of relationships with people and because she's very well loved and respected in Israel and precepts ministries international is completely nonprofit and stuff. And she doesn't know this, but I will tell you, I was watching her because, you know, this is a big, big name in Christian media. And I was standing behind her and I remember her talking to the person behind the counter of this jewelry store that she was in. And she was talking to them and they were talking, she said, you know, I'd really like to get this, this, this piece of jewelry or whatever, you know, and can you, can you say how much it is? And Anyway, the lady, they were talking about the, the cost of it. And what really hit me was when she said to the lady, she said, yeah, you know, I, I'm on a very tight budget because all the money that we make for precept, we, it goes back into the ministry. I don't get paid a salary. And, you know, I have this limited income here that I want to spend on this because I never want anybody, not even the appearance of her being inappropriate with any of the income that is donated to her did she want. I remember standing there behind her and thinking to myself, that is a godly woman. That is a woman who, if you buy stuff from Precept Ministries International, it may cost you a couple bucks more, but you know what? That money isn't going to waste building some big, huge empire and, you know, a mansion with five airplanes for Kay Arthur. Kay Arthur actually lived very frugally and nobody has ever said anything bad about her unless they're a liar. So, um, but you don't see that with most people. Joyce Meyer ain't that way. Read the, read up on Joyce. Just saying, um, you know, those teens aren't that way. Just saying, read up. Um, and all the other word of faith teachers, Anyway, okay, I'm done. So with that said, goodbye, people. I hope you have a good night. <laughs> I, I have ranted and raved long enough, but just saying. I uh, hope you have a good night. And uh, if you want to donate to our show, you can go to BibleNewsRadio.com and help pay our electric bill. Just saying. <laughs> well, we'll be back tomorrow, Lord willing. Bible News Radio. Uh, be bold, people. Yeah. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. Yeah, he does. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>